So we have a new theme, which I'll drink to that in the words of Pastor John. We have a new theme, which is unmatched. And what I love is unmatched is an opportunity in the lead up to who knows what's coming up. Yes, nailed it. And the lead up to Easter, unmatched is an opportunity for us to take a moment and reflect on who Jesus is, how awesome Jesus is, how powerful Jesus is. Amen? And I know that, you know, as we've just come out of a a series on new wine, that we are, as a church family, going, God, what is the new thing that you are doing? And I've been so impacted by the thought that when we catch just a greater glimpse of who he is, because who knows, it's almost like an iceberg, right? It's like we think we know God, but underneath the surface there's so much more. And I know that with every little inch more that I catch a glimpse of how good and how faithful and how loving God is, that it just impacts me. And that was probably one of the awesome things that I received out of doing a fast this week was, who finds fasting hard? I think Pastor Don's the only one who doesn't. Fasting all the time. But um, I usually find, I mean, the first rule of fasting is you're not meant to talk about fasting, but anyway, um, I usually find that the first few days are painful, and then I get a little bit grumpy, and then I go, I have that little moment where I go, God, shouldn't it be a little bit different? And then like this time, and in times before, you just get that breakthrough, I had a moment just on Thursday where I was sitting in the car. I was meant to be picking up Alex, and I arrived early, but I didn't tell him I was there yet. Um, And I was sitting in the car, and I just felt God speaking to me and revealing more of himself to me. And I'm like, this is what I want. Because, you know, when we're fasting, it's like we're going, God, just in the same way as I am hungry, I'm hungry for more of you. I loved, um, Alan was telling me this week how he, he was going, you know, a whole nother facet of fasting is, um, you know, that time that you would have been preparing food or thinking about or even eating, that's a moment that you turn into, God, I need you. Because who knows, we're all like, man, we wish we had more time. Yeah, and um, what I want to encourage you in as we kick off the theme today, and I'm very mindful that um, we're just only going to scratch the surface this morning. What I want to encourage you in is it's not so much about what can I learn today, but what am I going to do about it? Not so much about what can I learn today, but what am I going to do about it? Because we live in what's called the information age. I like to think of it as the information overload age. I don't know why, but we feel this need to be learning all the time. Like you're in the car and you're listening to a podcast. Who listens to podcasts on their commute? Oh, only a few of us. I thought there'd be more. A few. Might be a podcast. It might be a How Stuff Works. It might be a sermon. Uh, We love reading books. We love following Instagram accounts that tells us how we can live our life better and how we can achieve our goals. And there is so much information. And it's a bit like that 
sometimes in how we treat church too, where we come and we hear something and we're always wanting something new and fresh. It's like we're seeking after it. But the question is not so much about what can I learn, but what am I going to do about it? In fact, I was reading something the other day and I brought it along because I thought, I don't want to mess this up. It's by a book uh, from a guy named John Mark Homer, and this is what he says. In the late modern West, we're a bit more familiar with reading a book or listening to a podcast than we are to following a rabbi. Sounds about right. I don't know if you guys got in touch with a rabbi this week, but you probably read a book, watched a YouTube video, or listened to a podcast. We've grown accustomed to reading a book full of ideas, setting the said book into the shelf, and then moving on without doing much about it. Has anyone been there before? Totally me. In fact, with this book too. Um, Buckminster Fuller, great name. He was an architect. Later became a futurist and a systems theorist, and I love this. In his book, Critical Path, he came up with the knowledge doubling curve. He estimated that if you could measure the cumulative knowledge of human civilization from the year of Jesus' birth, it took 1,500 years for it to double. Okay, so if we took all of the knowledge at the time of Jesus, 1,500 years later, a millennium and a half, all of that knowledge essentially doubled. Get this. There it doubled again by 1750, and from there it doubled every hundred years up until World War II, and after the war, it doubled in 25 years. By the 80s, it was every 12 months, and the current estimate of how much cumulative human knowledge or information is doubling is every 12 hours. Every 12 hours. There is no shortage. I love that if you wanted to, you can go home, find a Shane Willard podcast, go to YouTube, go to the Bible Project and find out more about who Jesus is. But what are you going to do about it? So I want you guys to write the statement down if you're taking notes or at least think about it. This is Uh, What I want to do is kind of take you a little bit through a framework as we're looking at who Jesus is that you can apply, okay? So who, you guys can read that, eh? Nice. Jesus is, impacts, how we respond. A knowledge of who Jesus is impacts how we respond. You know, a couple of years ago, I went to this conference over in Austin, Texas. How cool when we used to be able to travel, right? Um, And it was called South by Southwest, and it's all about technology, business, music, and the arts. And about 70,000 people turn up to the city of Austin, they shut down downtown, and this conference runs over about five or six hotels or convention centers. It is massive. Like, literally, you're not allowed to drive your car downtown in the city center because there's just people walking everywhere. And anyway, I had the privilege of going along, and um, part of that, to secure 
getting to go was I had to write articles every day about what I was learning and some of the key takeouts, and, and then I was going to go share it with a, a bunch of clients. So anyway, I am rushing, as you would, to almost any, uh, almost any session you could, um, and, I, and I saw this one um, session that sounded really, really interesting. It was about augmented reality and machine learning and how you can use those in innovating what you're doing as far as a business. And so I headed along. I was a bit early. I'm sitting in the foyer. I'm like, I'm going to take a moment to write an article in between. And I see this young woman walk in, okay? And she looked a little bit lost, and then she kind of standing around and a little bit nervous. And, and, and one, of, one of the things I learned is you need to say hi to anybody you meet because you don't know who you're about to meet, right? Like I sat next to the creative director of an ad that I used to talk about all the time with clients, literally got to meet her right there. I remember there was once a speaker and I introduced myself to the person next to me and find out that they live on the same street. Um, one of my colleagues met an astronaut. Like, it's just like, you don't know who you're going to meet. And I can't believe I did this, but I wrote an article. Anyway, I walked into the session, and who should walk on stage but this young woman who was standing there? This young woman happened to be one of the lead designers at Tesla designing their cars, and she was one of the ones who was there to speak on how she uses augmented reality and machine learning to do it, and, and the teams, and um, at, the, at that time, that's what we were looking at as far as technology and the agency I used to work at, and I was kicking myself that I chose to write the article rather than meet and chat to this person. Context is everything, right? I mean, it's a pretty trivial story when we're talking about Jesus. But to an extent, when we understand who Jesus is, it's going to impact what you do. If I knew who she was, there's no way I was going to be writing an article right then. I was going to be talking to her. Who Jesus is impacts what we do. You know, I love... Um, Colossians, and we're going to read a little bit of that out of that today. So there's four passages in the Bible that do a really, really good job of summarizing who Jesus is, okay? And I'm going to give you those passages so you can write them down because they're very short and you can read them in your own time, all right? The first one we all know, so we're not going to read that one this morning, and that's in John 1. In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Who knows, who knows that passage? Such a good one. Another great one is Philippians 2. And what I love about Philippians 2 is it talks about how Jesus was willing to give up his throne, to come down to earth, to get his hands dirty, humble himself at the point, to the point of the cross, so that we could be saved. Such a good one. 
Read it this week. Hebrews 1 is another great one. So Hebrews 1 uh, talks about how Jesus is greater than any human, greater than any angel. Like Jesus is God. He is supreme. But this morning we're going to look at Colossians 1. And there's just a couple of things out of it that I want to pick up. And then we're going to look at how that impacts that thought. So Colossians 1 and verse 15, and I'm going to jump straight into it. Um, So Paul is writing to the church in Colossae. They've got a couple of issues, okay? What church doesn't have issues? (laughs) Um, I remember someone once said, where two or three are gathered, there's problems. (laughs) Um, but they had, a, they had a few issues because they were trying to incorporate all of these other philosophies and thoughts and other types of worship and, and mysticism. And it's kind of funny because it's kind of like today we're at the center. And so Paul's doing a great job here of just reminding the church of who Jesus is and why he's worthy of being at the center of their lives and then the rest of the book is about, well, how, what should I do about it? Short book, you should read it. But anyway, Colossians 1 and 15, it says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. It kind of reminds me, in John, there's this conversation between Philip, one of the disciples, and Jesus. And Philip goes, show us the Father. And when he's saying Father, he's talking about God. And Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. You know, I had a great conversation with somebody this week, and we were talking about um, them and their faith um, and wanting to hear from God more and know who God is. And the beautiful thing is, we're just going to open up these Gospels, right? Read about Jesus. Jesus is God. He is the image of God. How do I know God is loving? Jesus is loving. How do I know that God is willing to get his hands dirty and get into the muck, meet us where we're at to pull us out? Because that's what Jesus did. The firstborn over all creation. Now, firstborn here doesn't mean he was created first. Firstborn here is talking about rank. It's talking about uh, a point, priority of time. So Jesus, it's not saying he was created first, as we'll see, but it's talking about that he is supreme. Firstborn over creation, for by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority, All things were created by him and for him. Jesus is unmatched. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so in everything he might have supremacy. You see, Paul is making a point. That Jesus, through him, all things created, it's for him. He is supreme over creation. He makes a point that in, um, 
in, in, in new creation, post the point of the cross, as Jesus came to reconcile and redeem, he is still supreme. He is unmatched. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And I love this. This is the gospel. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish, and free from accusation. How good is that? That Jesus is God. That he came to earth, incarnate, God incarnate, divine, human. He died, rose again, and is supreme. That is who Jesus is. And I like to think in a bit of that language, um, I'm a big fan of architecture. Who likes architecture? I was like, surely, Dave Pearson, your hand was going to go up since you own an architect firm. Um, I am a big fan of architecture, and I'm a big fan of how somebody can design something for a purpose. Like, who knows you can go to a house and it's a total entertainer's house, and you're like, it just lends itself and it's all set up so that you can entertain. Um, You can go to a house and it just feels... Like, I just think of like, you know, you're going on, on holiday and it's all like cozy. It's a cabin in the mountains or something like that. What I, what I love about this is it's almost portraying Jesus as being an architect. Jesus as being the builder. And Jesus as being the owner. Right? Jesus is supreme. So when I think about that and what am I going to do about it, I think about two things, okay? Because our life is about upwards and outwards. So the first thing over here I think about is what does it mean for my worship? If Jesus is the architect and the builder and the owner and through him all things were created, And like a good architect, it's built with purpose. He's built you with purpose. He's given you talents and personalities and giftings to be different, to contribute. Because remember, right now we're part of his body, right? He's created you specifically. What should that do to your worship? It means, God, I trust you. Even though things don't seem in this plotted point to be going how I might have planned it. Or I can't, you know, you can walk into a place that, yeah, like, you know, it, 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 some, some things don't seem to fit. I thank you that, God, that you are the great architect. That you are the builder. That you are building something in me. You're reconciling me. You are renewing me. Knowledge of that's not enough. What are we going to do about it? How does it affect our worship? And when I say worship, I'm not talking about just, you know, 
the songs we sang earlier, it's our life, right? How are we going to live? It's going to impact our worship. I love that even, you know, because he is supreme, because he got his hands dirty, I know that I'm loved. He could have stayed in heaven. He could have gone, you know what? I created earth. What did he say? It was good. I created mankind, humankind. And what did he say? Very good. (laughs) So therefore, you know, he knows what he's doing. How does it affect my mission? When I think about God being the architect and the builder and the head of the church and the head of the body and the owner, it makes me think, what am I doing to participate in what God wants to do, right? So if God is loving and faithful and good and he's willing to get his hands dirty, how does that translate into my life? Man, that's been a challenge for me this week. Because whoever sits there sometimes and goes, man, I'm doing well. And then you talk to somebody and they tell you a really inspiring story and you go, oh yeah. (laughs) Maybe I can do more. Great tune, Pastor Don. (laughs) Like I loved, I was talking with um, Freddie's here, eh? Freddie, I hope you don't mind me saying, but I loved our chat the other day. So Freddie was in here um, I think it was Friday night, and he was talking about a desire he was to be able to, to, to step out and help people, and he was talking about a story um, of a kid whose teeth needed to be fixed because this kid was really scared of going to school and being bullied, and how awesome something like that, being able to invest and see that person um, sorted for no other agenda than seeing them blessed. That's inspiring. Like I remember there was um, this hairdresser that I used to follow on, um, on Instagram in New York who would spend, th- I think it was like Thursdays and Saturdays just heading out and doing haircuts for the homeless. And I loved how you looked at these before and after photos and you just saw somebody on the street pretty flat emotion, and then you saw the life in their eyes with a fresh haircut. Because who knows what a fresh haircut can do, right? Yep, Nico definitely knows what a fresh haircut can do. I think he's doing a little bit of a plug. But then i got to go plug Nico, plug Bex. Yes, Gail. (laughs) They don't have to be big things. They can be the small things. It can be the conversation where someone's talking about some struggles and you take the time to listen and to pray with them. It can be as simple as finding someone a cup of coffee as they're running around, right? How does this impact the way I act? Like Pastor John said this morning, if Jesus is the architect and the builder and the owner and he is in the business of reconciliation and he is in the business of, um, 
of people experiencing life and life to the full. And right now we kind of live in the giant Airbnb. That's what I like to think of the world. God owns the giant Airbnb. How are we going to jump in and manage that and be part of that? Whether it's a conversation and sharing the love of Jesus, whether it's a conversation and praying, whether it's as simple as an invite. And those don't always have to be super spiro. You know what I mean? But sometimes the most natural situations can turn into an awesome spiritual encounter. Like I love, I was meeting with somebody, um, would have been a couple of months ago, okay? And they wanted just to talk about um, some major challenges they were experiencing in their life. Now I knew they were so anti-God, whether they would want to admit it or not. So my prayer on the way was this, God, how can you open up this conversation? Because I know if I'm going to give it a go, well, I'm going to get a wall. You know what I love? We're in, who knows, Commercial Bay. We're in Commercial Bay. We're having a coffee. We're having a chat. And who should pop over but Gary Curran? Who knows Gary Curran? He runs over to the table as we are in deep conversation. And he goes, Pastor Jesse, you won't believe it. I was just talking with one of the cleaners, and um, we've been praying for a mom who's been in hospital. She's been healed miraculously, and she's out. And she's doing so awesome. You wouldn't believe it. Hey, I've got to go. <laughs> and he's off. Awesome. There's a little bit of a pause, okay? Um, and the guy I was with was like, um, so he must go to your church. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, totally. I was like, man, I believe in the power of prayer. Like, how good is that story? And uh, we started chatting about the things that um, I could pray for, for him. Um, that was a very natural situation that became very supernatural. And what I love is remembering that Jesus is the architect. He's the builder. He's the owner. He is supreme. I think sometimes we think that we've got to take all the initiative in what we're doing, and we forget that God is already doing something, and all he's wanting us to do is to pause and go, Jesus, make me aware of what you're doing right now, and how can I be part of it? How does knowing this impact your mission. Because hopefully this sounds pretty familiar. It might sound like one of the values that we have, which is to pursue God and love people. Pursue God and love people. Hopefully it sounds familiar, like when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? What did he say? Love God. Love people. Love God, love people. Who's had that before? It's information. It's not so much about what can I learn, but what am I going to do about it? So what I want to encourage you, especially in this season, 
is as God speaks to you, as you open up the scriptures, as you hear a sermon, as you, um, you know, even in a conversation, ask yourself, what am I going to do about it? What does it mean for my worship? What does it mean for my mission? How does it help me pursue God more? What could I do? What's one thing? How can it impact my mission? What's one more thing I could do? What could I switch so that I can see someone else impacted by the love of God? And the last thought is this. Put it into practice. I love Paul, literally in Philippians before this, he goes, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the peace of God will be with you. Who wants more peace in your world? Come on. If you want more peace, we just got to put it into practice. And as Lance comes keyboard extraordinaire right Lance is one of my favorite one of my favorites um can I say that that's terrible way eh? <laughs> I totally just did one of my many favorites <laughs> yeah yeah it's like saying that's right my favorite bible verse it changes every day those jokes no, Zahn, you do. Oh, Zahn, sorry. Lance, you're definitely one of my favorites. No, um, what I want to encourage you in is this. As a church, we're called to be the church, right? Not to just do church, but to be the church. And I am so excited about what God is already doing in our church and what he's doing through our church, and what he's going to do. And um, one of the things that I've been thinking about this week, and I wanted to end with this actually, one of the things I was thinking about this week is, you know, we've been talking about new wine, and God, what's the new thing? Um, and part of my um, ambition for this fast was going, God, can you, what, what are these steps? What are you doing? Um, you know, we've already talked about some of the awesome things that's God doing. The stream and the people being impacted all over the place through to, um, you know, what we're doing out there to create a space so that people can connect all through the week. Um, bringing back Meet the Street when we're not in lockdown will be awesome. We've got 200 businesses on this street, guys. 200 businesses. Each one of those represent thousands of families. And that's not even talking about the North Shore and Green Height and Hibiscus Coast. And I think I saw the Robinsons, which is like all the way over the bridge, miles away. <laughs> We're not even talking about all the thousands of families through that. But one of the things that I was reminded of is, um, I think it's Isaiah 54. Sorry if I got this wrong. I must have got it right because Pastor Julie already started quoting it. There is a message to Israel about stretching out the tent pegs. About Israel almost like she's barren 
but stretching out the tent pegs, getting ready for family. And what I love is Paul quotes that and he takes it and it's in Galatians 4 and he talks about us, the Gentiles, the non-Jews and the gospel spreading is being a fulfillment of that, that family. We are the family. And I was reminded and God's saying to us to start building, to start stretching, that the things that we are doing now is creating space for people. And it's not just making a cafe bigger and getting that humming or making some changes on a stage or fixing up some of the streams so that we do a better job and reach more people. It's in the little things that we do in our workplaces. How are we stretching? How are we making room for someone else? The conversation at the water cooler, the conversation on the phone, the person who sends the how are you going message and you know they mean more and taking the time. Church family, why don't we stand? And why don't we close our eyes and begin to focus on Him? Begin to focus on His goodness. Oh, God, I want to thank you, Lord, that you are not just some architect builder who left everything, but you are involved. God, I want to thank you that, um, Lord, you just didn't leave us in our world and where we were and making bad choices and struggling and spinning, being distracted, being scattered, being overwhelmed but you chose to get your hands dirty. Coming to earth to make a way through your death, paying a price so that we could be set free, so that we could be seen as holy and without blame, as it said in Colossians, God that we could be set free to live a life that is abundant, a life where we get to know you and know your love. And not just that, a life where we get to participate with you and what you're wanting to do in our world. God, and I wanna lift up every person represented in this place. God, I pray that each one of us, Lord, that you would grant us the blessing of knowing you more, that as we have a greater context of who you are, God, that it would spur us into action. God, that as we know more of your love, we would overflow more of your love. As we know more of your hope, we would overflow more of your hope. God, as we begin to see what you're doing in our world that we can't help, but wanting to see the world around us, the sphere around us transformed. Weight falling off people. Disillusionment falling off people that they might experience life as you designed as the great architect. In fact, right now, if you are listening, maybe you're watching right now, maybe you're even in this place and 
I don't know, in this moment, you're just feeling like God is putting His finger on you and saying, it's time to follow me. Maybe you're listening and uh, wherever you are, you're here and you're thinking, man, I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm feeling disillusioned. I've been trying my best to listen to that about how to make my life better or, you know, that Instagram account, whatever it is, and it's not working and, and you've come to a point and God, you, you feel Him saying, it's time to follow me. It's time to push that aside. It's time to focus on me. Take on my yoke, as it says. The, the way I live, it's easy. Let me heal you. Let me free you so that you can become who I called you to be, who I purposed you to be, who I made you to be. You'll know if that's you right now because you'll feel your heart beginning to pick up a little bit. You'll, you'll feel God putting His finger on it. I want to encourage you as eyes are closed or wherever you are, why don't you put your hand on your heart if that's you? Because this is a holy moment. This is a holy moment. This is an opportunity between you and God to say yes to go, you know what, God, I'm going to stop trying to do this on my own. I need you. And church, why don't we all pray together, okay? Dear God, I want to thank you for who you are, that you made a way by leaving heaven coming to earth getting your hands dirty even death through the cross so I could be free that I could know you that I could have life cleanse me wash me clean make me free Thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. You know what I love? What I love, is it in this? I think it's in this. That yeah, that we can't do this on our own. We can't earn this on our own. Grace blows my mind. Blows my mind. God is good, amen. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. We pray that you would activate something in your life and shift your life towards Jesus. If you like what you heard and you want to hear more, just click follow. We love you. Have a blessed week.